This is the Reading Aloud Podcast. I'm Marisol Collette. And I'm Adam Collette. And you love us because we love you. We sure do. And let's get to today's conversation. (laughs) Are you going to be able to record a podcast with me looking like this? Yeah, of course. Why would I not be able to? Woof. (laughs) I look tired. I'm still in my pajamas. It's 130 a little on the sick side. Ow. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Yeah, that's it too. But inside it's so delightful. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm going to be able to record a podcast with you. I don't know if you fully understand the depth of my love for you. You say that all the time, but I just... I, th- I just don't think that you do then. You know, you like don't get it because you're constant. Con- wait, wait, wait. Back up on the constantly. Yeah, back up on the back. Roll it back. Because occasionally you. <laughs> I mean, you ask me the same thing. You're like, you know, in different words, you basically say like, do you realize how much I want to love you and support you? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm hmm. Part of being successful in a relationship is just fully letting the other person love you. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty spot on. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Not reaching. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Cat food. I think that's really important. Do you know what the nailed it cat food reference nope. is? Nope. And, and we were talking references last time, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, basically, season whatever we're on is just dissecting Muddy Soul's references Nailed it, cat food is from The Simpsons. What's the nerdy boy? Miles or Nigel. Mm-mm. I was never a big, I mean, like, of course I enjoyed The Simpsons, but we never had that, you know, The Simpsons was on like... Regular TV, because yeah, we never on, had regular TV. Right, it was on, it might be on Fox now or something, but like Fox wasn't a thing when we, it wasn't a network like channel when we were growing up. It was ABC, NBC, CBS. But we, no, you're wrong, because we didn't have any cable. We didn't have any extended channels right and the simpsons was like on extended channels no i'm telling you i watched the simpsons we did not have extended channels you might have gotten fox and we didn't get fox that's probably what it was how did simpsons end up on fox well fox was of course playing in texas i don't think fox was what fox is no i don't think it was either i don't think the world was what it is now anyway who knows i know that you did not have regular channels but all we had was ABC, NBC, and CBS plus PBS. No, we didn't have PBS. We just had those two. You didn't have PBS. So you I didn't don't have think Sesame so. Street, Mr. Rogers. No. What? No. What did I don't you watch? Watch Saturday morning cartoons and Kentucky basketball. That was it. Done. Done. Age two, Kentucky basketball. Yeah. Are you watching Kentucky basketball today? I am. Yeah. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Who's We're going win? into enemy territory. Who's going to win? Kentucky? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always win. Mm-hmm. They're undefeated <laughs> all time. I love it. I love it. Do you think that Kentucky has like the, has the most loyalty? I mean, out of what are you comparing it to? All basketball college teams? All college teams basketball. I think they are amongst the top five, yeah. I mean, the thing you have to realize about Kentucky is, as a state, we have zero professional sports teams in the state. You have two major universities and several other universities, but two major universities and neither Kentucky nor Louisville have 
perennial amazing like football teams. Football is definitely a more popular sport than basketball, especially in the South. The K- Kentucky Wildcats are the one team that is like, I mean, we've won eight or nine national championships. It is one of the top three programs in the country. And so when you have that level of success in a state where there's not a lot of other draws, it would be different if it was in California or New York or, or even a state like Florida or, or um, North Carolina where there's professional teams and there's lots of other draws and other big cities. But in Kentucky, that's kind of, that is the biggest deal. So people are very invested. Yes. Yes. I like how you said that the thing that you need to realize, as if I have not known you for 10 years. Okay, so... Okay, what's the capital of Kentucky? Having known me for 10 years. We've been over this. About a thousand times. It's the that town. That one. You're right. It is that town. It, it starts with an E. E. E money. <laughs> um, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It's definitely... Not Evansville. No, that's in Indiana. (laughs) I love how cocky you are about that. It starts with a C. C. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Because it's not Carlsbad Caverns. Carlsbad. Where is Carlsbad Caverns? Is that in, where is that? Is that in uh, Virginia, isn't that? Ooh, who doesn't know now? (laughs) All right, this ain't no lazy Susan. We're not flipping it to the other side. (laughs) Oh my God, is that a thing? You just made that up. Well, the tables have turned lazy. Yeah, I kind of just made that up. It's not a thing. Cool. Um, It's... It starts with an F. What? I love how this is the first time. <laughs> Fredericksburg. Oh, that is Virginia. There's one in Texas too. Um, Frankfurt. <laughs> Wait, really? Frankfurt, yeah. That's what I was saying. Uh huh. Of course, yeah. Right after you guessed it started with an E for Evansville, Indiana, <laughs> and a C for Carlsbad Caverns. <laughs> I was just testing you, and I wanted to... As, I wanted to make sure you knew where Carlsbad Caverns was. <laughs> where it was. Where is it now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Get with it. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, go ahead. What's our topic? We wanted to follow up on the previous topic. Well, oh, right. first off, y'all should know, if this podcast sounds weird at all, it's because for some reason our podcast equipment mysteriously, <laughs> we started to record a podcast the other day, this podcast, and it just broke. It just stopped working. You turned up the volume because I always gripe at you because you look at the thing. So we we do check, check. You, you look at the thing. It is one of us is visibly louder than the other. We play it back. It is audibly louder than the other. And you're like, it's perfect. And like you've said it so many times so confidently that I'm like, he's got to know something that I don't know. And then our editor is like, hey, by the way, sometimes there's like a volume thing. So I want to be really cognizant of that. And then so I was like, hey, can you please turn up the volume on yourself? And you did. And I broke it. It broke. The whole thing broke. The whole thing broke. Yeah. And it is this thing that when I ask you to do something you don't want to do, I call it, I, I always say, and then you stub your toe. It's like there's something that goes wrong every time. It's bad. It just it takes you over the edge. It's like you can't you can't get mad at me. So but you get you've, mad at you've the said toe. multiple times you don't think this is my fault that this happens. 
What? We've had this conversation, and I, I agree with you that there's like a chaos theory here oh, where that's like. A good way. You know, in this instance, you asked me, you were like, just turn it up. And I turned up the volume and all the equipment completely just broke. Or like, we're watching TV and you're like, I'm really into the show or something. And you're like, will you go get me some more water? And I'll be like, okay, I'll do it. And I get up and I like slip and fall and break my arm. Like it's going (laughs) to happen. As you have described this, I've said, well, I'm kind of said this, like, I'm sorry. And you're like, it's not about you. It's not your fault. You're saying it's not. It's not my fault that this happens. It's just a natural occurrence. I take it back. Oh, you're saying it is my fault. A hundred percent. Okay. See, yeah, that's what I thought. Because it's easier to move on if I just tell you it's not personal. Because if it's personal, we've got a lot of recovery time. Why? I get over things pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah. I always do. And that's, I'm always I think it's your fault. Here's what I think. I think that you don't want to do the thing, so the frustration starts. So there's multiple things. In your frustration, you aren't paying attention. You tend to like be more ferocious in all the things. Like You probably turn the volume up a little too hard, or you sent your bad juju into the equipment. You know, you'll get up, and you'll just be like, huh, you're hoofing around, and then you, you stub your toe. You're just not as mindful. So maybe 90% of the time. And it would happen all the time with the baby. In the middle of the night, it was your turn to get up. It's always your turn to get up. It was your turn to get up. And you would stub your toe. And you realize that there are, like, people have, like, start to build out perceptions of their home so that they don't walk right into the drawers. But you don't. It's like your feet are too big. I mean, I love you. I mean, you're just like, do you realize every other human does this successfully? And you're just bozo the clown over here with your clown See, I told you, if I, told, if, if I made it personal, it was, we were going to have a problem. No, no, it's, I'm just giving it right back at you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you, know, do you realize how often I get up in the dark every day? Every day. Not when you've been told to get up. Sure. When you get told, when Pleat's doing his weird dance in the middle of the night, I'm like, you got to take him out. Right. Then that's when you get hurt. Yes. I would say that's a higher likelihood that I get hurt then, but I do that all the time successfully too. And that's yeah, of course I have. Up. I have an excellent map of the house in my head. So why do you- hit- I could keep my eyes closed and find a safety pin if I needed to. Same. Why do you hit your foot? Well, it just happens sometimes. I mean, I, I agree that there is an energy energy around it, for sure. Yeah. I agree there's an energy around it. Why don't you just say no instead? Oh, because that's not like, number one... It's like, it feels like... It's number feels one, like if I say no, you're not... You say, I think, that you're going to be like, okay, but you won't like getting up and doing it either. And like you'll ask again. No, no, really. If we, if we, re- if you really pushed the matter, and you were, you said to me, Marisol, yeah, I need more, I need more support at this time. I would do it, hundred percent. Of course, I would, babe. I would, I would definitely rise to the occasion. I don't doubt that you would. We wouldn't rise to the occasion. It's just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious others' thoughts on this. I, you know, I've seen a lot of like jokey things, so like stereotype ask things so it tells me that there's an ounce of truth to it of like wives asking their husbands for you know to do things like right when they sit down or something like that there's just a 
Here's the deal, babe, is that the world asks us both to do a lot of things. And then sometimes, not all women, sometimes women need to tap into their yin energy Mm -hmm. and need more rest. I get it. Especially like around their periods and stuff. You're right. I could do a better job of saying no to things. It's just, that's... That's but harder. That's harder. Is, that's harder than, than I know. But then, the, basically, the toe thing is a re, is like part of a resentment, and then it it's you it's you subconsciously punishing me. It's a punishment because mm-hmm. then I have to hear you go ah, ah. <laughs> Well, it's a resentment that you after ten years still don't know the capital of Kentucky. <laughs> Given to you, I'll give that to you. <laughs> Frankfurt. Uh-huh. Frankfurt. Uh-huh. Where even is it? Right, about in the center of the state. Anybody live there? Frank and Fort. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about and follow up about our conversation the other day on question asking and specifically talk about our experience, our very recent experience through the medical world. And it was another experience of us as a family kind of navigating and going through this medical world, which we have now done in some capacity several times. And I really think it brought up some stuff for us that I want to talk about with you and, you know, potentially hear from our listeners on and how we are navigating just the medical world. So here in our town, there's basically one pediatric optometrist practice. There's not like five or six different options. You could go an hour plus and find another one, but there's one. Neo for the past couple of years has had like a cross eye or a lazy eye. They call it a strabismus. And that's the medical term. He's had a lazy eye. And we've been seeing this practice. We've actually had one optometrist and then we switched to another one for about the past coming up on maybe two years on and off. And we've been patching, which means that we put this patch over one eye. It's basically the eye muscles are not, they're misaligned. So therefore one eye is dominant. And that means that the vision, when he first came in, the vision in that eye was strong and the vision in the other eye was much weaker because one eye was being dominant. The other one was kind of giving up and not developing as much because it was lazy. Hence, that's how people get a lazy eye. But at its core, it's this muscle alignment. The patching helped with strengthening and making that weaker eye used so that the vision would increase. Now, what we were told was that the patching would help ensure that the vision moved back up to just say 2020 per eye, but it would not fix the muscle misalignment, that the only way to fix that muscle misalignment was to have surgery. So we'd been somewhat mentally preparing for this for a while. We switched optometrist doctors because one essentially retired. So it kind of got delayed and the surgery was scheduled out for like nine months later. So it'd been a year plus that we had been patching and kind of preparing for this. You and I were, you know, we were nervous about a two and a half year old going into surgery. I've never had surgery. You've had one. You know, we were just nervous about that. And I think that's very valid. You know, we were trying to see, is there anything we can do to avoid surgery? We heard about from a friend what's called vision therapy. I don't need to get into, because I, I still am not an expert, okay? This, or this is not a conversation about vision therapy. 
But essentially, I think what we understood is the idea of vision therapy is essentially eye exercises that can be done to create neuropathways which can support and or help a strabismus or an eye's eye issues like what Neo has. And we heard one example from another parent that that worked for their kid. Yeah, the example is that that person, her kid's an adult now, and she said it it is not an issue anymore. And the only time her eye relaxes a little bit into that crossedness is when she's really tired. She goes, so I always know when she's really tired. But other than that, her eyes are straight. You know, the, the other thing about it, you know, if you train the brain, it also then trains the eyes. The other thing about it was there wasn't really a lot of information about what to do after the fact. And there's a 15 to 20% chance that you have to repeat the surgery if it doesn't hold. Our question was, A, what are the physical therapy exercises post? What's going to keep us out of the boat of having to redo the surgery? That's an absolute nightmare. And three, we're seeing some improvement. What do you make of that? Exactly. Those were our questions. What brought this up for me and the reason I wanted to talk it through on the podcast was after we heard about this, I called the optometrist and we're already scheduled for surgery at this point. But they've never mentioned any of this stuff to us. And I'm talking to the scheduler. And I was like, well, I would like to speak with the doctor. I just have some questions about, you know, the role the vision therapy could play in this. And as soon as I said the words vision therapy, her whole demeanor just like completely shifted. She was very cold to me and very short with me. And immediately she was like, oh, we don't do that here. She's, she's not available now, but I'll let the doctor know and see what she wants to do about this. Like it was very like all of a sudden cold, bag of cold water on, the, on a pleasant conversation. I was like, whoa. And it made me feel very much I was being talked down to. And then I talked to the doctor. She was just very cold about it. In her minds, this was an alternative form of therapy that wasn't proven, that has caused a lot of harm in people. And it wasn't something that was like supported by science. That was kind of her view. And it really felt like in that conversation, just by asking the question and inquiring, I was automatically put in this anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist camp. They automatically put me in that. Now let's be clear, we're not in that camp. We believe in science, empirical data, and also we've had many experiences in our life where exploring alternate, more holistic approaches to things has added significant value to things that are miracles of Western medicine and science. It's not an either or in our opinion. There's extremes on both sides. And what I think that I was trying to navigate in that conversation with the doctor is just navigating like, what is this? I'm asking you as a trusted source, how do I navigate it? They were not ready to have that conversation. They were just shutting me down and being like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm just going to put you in camp crazy over here. I don't know. I still feel emotional about it. I was very caught off guard. I was like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that like you don't have a degree or whatever. You know, you don't have to speak to me like I'm an idiot. What is the emotion that's coming up? It's frustration. This is pretty meta, but like for us to like reach our potential as humans, we can't continue to just put ourselves in silos. And it's frustrating the inability that people have to be able to have conversation about things. It's such an either or world that we're in right now. And it is so frustrating to me. You know, I was never saying that we were doing this. I was trying to get her 
honest opinion on it. It felt like her opinion was just like, shut it down, no. And it was never like, here's what I understand it to mean. And I get it. Right now, it's a vulnerable time for doctors, right? There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of people fear-mongering and putting information out there as if they are doctors or medical professionals. You know, a chiropractor who's like an MD, but they're not really an MD because they're a chiropractor. It's like, you know, I get it. And at the same time, there's logical conclusions that you can reach from those things, and it's all worth it. So I guess for me, it's like, it's frustration at its core that we can't have critical conversations, that we're so scared of being wrong, and we're so scared of change that we can't have conversations that are just open and honest. As we said last time, like I have such a deep internal desire for the world to become a better place that it causes me so much frustration that we shut each other down and we consider each other stupid. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't stupid people out there. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm, I'll be, I'm clear about that. There's some crazy stupid people out there whose means are like brainwashed by like thinking their own thing and basically based off of fear. They have fear too. But for the majority of people, it's just, it's not, it's not an either or. And that's why it draws so much emotion in me. Thanks for sharing that. And I appreciate your vulnerability. What I hear is... Again, you talking about at the foundation of all of this is love and you have a deep desire for people to have connection, community and love. And those are the values that you've always held. How can we be closer? How can we support each other? How can we lift each other up? How can we love each other? How can we be in community? Not a we are one mentality. Like we're all the same or we're, you know, there's... there's Totally, yeah. 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 There's, you know, there's a complete inability for us to cross culture because we don't, we don't have the tolerance and it, it, it creates a lot of nervousness in people and fear that they're, the way that they think and feel is going to be disregarded and then they're going to lose their ground on that. It's unfortunate because it doesn't take much for somebody to feel heard. People who, who go Western med, medicine all the way and don't want to open up space for anything else because science is the number one thing, it, it can be really challenging to even understand where to open the conversation. We have many places in our lives where we fall in the center of things as opposed to on one extreme or the other. Medicine is one of those. I had cancer. I am very grateful that I had surgery to remove that cancer. And for those cancer doctors that knew exactly what they were looking at, that were highly trained, highly specialized, knew exactly what to, how to diagnose you, absolute experts, they knew how to test for it, the, the follow-ups were on point. I mean, all of that, we are so grateful. Right, and as soon as the surgery was over, the fo- in the follow-up appointment, the doctor said, my recommendation is for you to have the organ removed attached to where the cancer was. It was the first time I had ever walked away from like Western medical advice. I just, I had a very clear no inside of me. And part of that is because even though their prediction was this cancer happened, it happened quickly, it would grow fast. I was on a track to be uh, monitored every three months. And I knew that if any signs of cancer returned over the course of three months, I could then make a decision to have the organ removed, vital organ. 
I said no. And it felt great to say no. It also felt logical to say no. And then I understood her job is to prevent cancer, prevent cancer. The medical world wants to get cancer to zero. And that is one way to do it, is any place where there is risk, remove it. I know a lot of people because of where we live who who have diagnoses of cancer and who do anything but Western medicine to cure it. Some have had success, some have died. And that's their choice. Again, we fall in the middle because my logical brain said, I'll be here in, in three months. If these cancer cells return, I will make it, I will that's re- right. yeah. Yep. So I didn't leave. I've never left that world. I go, I go constantly for my checkups and I'm so, so grateful because that's really the only way for me to know if the cancer's returned. And we sought out a functional medicine doctor. After the cancer, I dealt with many symptoms, lots of different things. And each one of them- had a lot of autoimmune stuff. Right. And autoimmune is a world that's just getting woven into the world of Western medicine as far as how to approach it because it's holistic and- a lot of Western medicine is specialized. And so, Highly. you know, there's a profit motive there, you know, in a lot of ways. So A, there's a profit motive, but B, it is nice when somebody knows a lot about one thing, because then when that is your thing, they know, they know so much. Everything. It's not just a, I know a little bit about everything. Yeah. So I'm grateful for the specialist. And the thing that was happening to me is that everybody was sending me around a loop of specialists. That's right. It's so taxing. And, and I felt like, you know, I'd go to a doctor and I'd think, okay, this is a really amazing doctor. And they would be, they'd be amazing. And they'd listen to my story and they'd say amazing things. And then I would say, okay, but what about this other thing? Oh, well, we'll have to send you here for that. And you know, in this world, everybody's advertising everything. Come to me for your life coaching. Come to me for your business coaching. You know, chiropractics is the answer. Acupuncture is the answer. Exercise is the answer. This type of exercise is the answer. This type of diet is the answer. Exactly. Everybody has an answer. And every once in a while, you feel called to something. "Mm, This is the right thing at the right time. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, you bail. And if it works, if it feels like you're connected to it and it works for you in that season of your life, you know, you can trust your instincts. So we sought out functional medicine and it was the first time anybody could say, A, this is what's going on with your entire body and B, this is where I think it started. And where they determined it started was where it seemed like it started, which was an issue that I was having as a young girl. And we worked through that over the course of some years, you know, and we're privileged to be able to do so because there was no insurance involved. And I think we, I think we lucked out too in that we got a really, really amazing functional medicine doctor. And just to say it, I think in the world where there is less checks and balances on who can say what and who can label themselves as an expert, there is more room for people giving bad advice. And so we we did, we were lucky in that we found an incredible doctor. And all the while, anytime I went back into the Western world, nobody gave two shits about my functional medicine doctor. Not one person. You know, I just didn't even want that opinion because I was ha- we were having such success with the functional medicine doctor. And, you know, sometimes I would even say, and, and it doesn't matter whether or not you agree with their their method, this is how, this is how things have gotten better. But it was this straddling of both sides with our functional medicine doctor. There were a few things where he was like, this is a Western medicine. The solution to this is Western medicine. Yeah, which made him really good because he he wasn't a functional medicine doctor who had abandoned all Western medicine for, you know, fixes of things. Exactly. So 
you know, the bigger thing being your meta solution that you're talking about. The other thing being, how do we exist in uncomfortable spaces where we know something and we feel something? It's that when we're really strong in our sense of self, we don't actually mind having those kinds of conversations. That's right. When we feel threatened, which a number of things lead us to feel threatened. One is we're offended that somebody is questioning our expertise. We feel nervous that we're not going to know how to answer it. We feel like there's something on the edge of our not understanding. We feel like the world's going to fall apart if everybody abandons Western medicine. We're nervous that the eye doctor might have been nervous for our child. I know that this is the solution. And if these parents take a different route, that child might not get what they need as far as vision. Yeah. And I appreciate all of that. We could have had a longer conversation. And I experience this to a certain degree in my work and within forestry and forest protection. I'm not going to get into it. We could do a whole podcast on it clearly, but there is a ton of misinformation and what we call in like environmental world, often greenwashing. And that is very rampant within the forest protection world. One quick example, just to you know, give an example for folks, it's like tree planting schemes. Um, you know, this like, we're going to plant a billion trees and save the world. And those never work and are have been proved to be like just complete scams. And planting trees, you're much better off actually keeping trees, protecting forests than you are planting trees. So there's things like that. But planting trees sounds great to everybody. Everybody's like, ooh, yay, planting trees, which, you know, it's great exercise to do. You should go plant a tree, do it. But So I get this a lot in my world where people will come and they'll have like, oh, yeah, this, check this out, check this out. I often could take that approach, be like automatically you like smack them down. Like, no, that's terrible. That never works. I've made that mistake myself. You said it earlier. People, you're never going to change somebody's mind if they don't feel like you respect them. And I just wish this were the case with doctors. I remember telling my GP, regular doctor, about your functional medicine doctor. And I mean, they were like, oh, oh. And then I came back another time and they were like, oh, I looked them up. They were a, a chiro- your functional medicine doctor. And they were like, they're registered chiropractor. I wouldn't trust them, basically. I wouldn't. And I was like, and it was just this way in which I just wish that people would hear somebody and acknowledge it and be like, oh, okay, like, because at that moment, you know, you turn people away. Like you you make people less likely to believe you. You're calling people out instead of calling them in. If I want somebody to listen to what I'm saying, to take my advice on something, I call them in and listen to what they're saying first and validate and respect what they're saying without just like throwing what they say automatically under the bus. I shut down when somebody does that to me. So the, the larger point that we're making here is about listening and understanding, about being willing. And it's just so funny because the whole time we were still engaged in Western medicine, the whole time we were still leaning towards the surgery, the whole time, all the things. And then to have people say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. This like this like thing of purity where mm-hmm. like everything is it's it's again, it's either all or nothing. Like we exist within a world where multiple things are true at once. I can complain about capitalism while typing on my iPhone. Both things can be true, so, you know, at once. So let me ask you this. 
I always want to keep open to the mystery that there's more going on than meets the eye, then things can happen that are beyond our wildest imagination. I personally always want to be open to that. I also completely value facts, data, science. This is how we're surviving. So when it came to vaccinations, I'm just curious because we had a hard line in the sand. And what was that? Why was that? I felt like it was more social than anything. It was definitely social responsibility. Well, to be clear, I don't want to sound like I'm completely selfless. I was pregnant and definitely didn't want me or the baby to be harmed. In my opinion, it was just an ability to kind of like think critically, you know, throughout the process. All of a sudden, like, again, there were people who were like, they're putting microchips in these vaccines and they're going to track us all or something like the speed at which this all happens, we, we were talking about a different ballgame. Now, now, if you had you got the vaccine, which, again, didn't prevent you from getting COVID, it just reduced your symptoms, your likelihood of spreading it, your likelihood of being hospitalized. Now you can make that determination, you know, more. I think at the beginning, for me, the impact, the, the social responsibility and the fact of what the science and data had said about the vaccine and what doctors and what trusted sources were saying, now you start to cross into different territory. And being able to delineate the two is part of having that critically thinking about something. There were some people from the beginning that were like, I'm never taking that. I don't trust the medical world. And it's like, okay, can we have a balance there? Because it is true when we think about studies and data, it is true. Big pharma companies fund studies. They fund studies that are going to promote their product. So therefore, studies in some way, facts and data can be skewed, right? They fund medical schools. They fund this. All that's true. And there is also truth in science, you know? So like and we're holding both these things. The only way, in my opinion, that we're going to be able to navigate through all of that as collectively as a population, as humans, is to be able to be open and vulnerable and have those conversations. And I think that is especially true. And part of the reason I was so frustrated and shocked and emotional about the conversation that I had with the doctor, partially because it was dealing with my own kid, but also secondly, because I think the people that need to be able to have those skills and those conversations right now the most are doctors. And if they're shutting people down who are asking questions, we're just driving a further divide. Thank you for saying all that. I also, just to bring it down to like the most basic level, just don't ever talk down to somebody, exactly. especially when they're putting your kids' like life in their hands. That's right. Just don't ever talk down to people. Just don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Period. And the whole point of this is that there's more than even you know. And so that you're not also trying to play expert here. So that's what I hear. Yeah. To have conversations with people. Yeah. Like really open up to people. All right. Love you. I love you too. Thanks y'all for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.